Hello, everyone. Um, so, the, the dispatch, dispatch, dispatch? The dispatch, dispatch. I guess that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so, I just finished, what, like an hour ago, sending off the chicken coop uh, from a, to a Craigslist free people people <laughs> to craigslist free people we love to see it we got the coop for free and now we are passing it on to someone else who's hopefully gonna get a lot of use out of it yes so if you're new to the podcast let's say you're just starting with this episode um we've had chickens for about three years now mm-hmm. uh, we got our hens a month or two into the start of the lockdowns and the pandemic in 2020 yes um Two, two hens, Darcy and Stacy. We got them for egg laying purposes and because we wanted to uh, learn what it took to keep livestock, right? Yeah. I mean, I think with that, we were like, yeah, we're going to eat them eventually as well. Too. Right. We, and... So we said we want to do this for eggs to learn animal husbandry, I guess. Is well, nice? husbandry is like the breeding. Breeding. Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> animal care, livestock care. And then eventually to uh, process and learn what the the process of processing butchering um, butchering a hen is some chickies. And so um, again, if you're new to the podcast, for the past I would say six months or so, our hens uh, egg laying has decreased to all but zero. Yeah, we maybe got one weird double egg a while back maybe like another that remember we got that weird fairy egg a while before that yeah what wasn't the fairy egg right after the raccoon attack yeah we just haven't had a good uh we haven't had good production from the hens for about six months yeah um and there are various factors that could have led to that it could have been it's time to just said the raccoon attack stressed, stressed them, them out, out and that can really affect production we had an extremely wet winter and then a very gloomy spring yeah, big weather changes apparently can affect their laying. And then um, the other... And they also just don't lay forever, too. <laughs> yeah, so they're about three years... They're over three... They were over three years old. Um, and Rhode Island Reds are known to be super prolific layers, but also to steadily and drastically decrease after, like, year two, basically. Yeah. I, I feel like they were on pretty good for we had most way of that too time. Many like, eggs, they yeah. were laying, like... To a day, every day. Yes. Usually about six days a week on the average, I would say. We were giving Um, our eggs away to neighbors. We were giving eggs to friends. We had a deviled eggs party to get rid of eggs. (laughs) Like, we were egg rich for quite a while. Yeah. I would say it was a a pretty good experience overall. It was like, yeah, it it was nice to have, like, eggs that we knew that the animals weren't in, like, a giant feed lot and, you know competing with thousands of other chickens for food and stuff like that and they had a relatively happy and free life yeah yeah so we've been kind of saying for a while now like we're gonna i think the last bag of feed we got we said if they don't start laying by the end of this bag of feed then i think it's no longer in terms of like Farming, it's no longer cost effective to keep them as pets if they're not also producing eggs. That yeah. was our, our logic, right? I was kind of trying to think of it from like a. Them bitches got the bougie food. Too. They got the bougie food. <laughs> and I think we were, you know, when we didn't have a car for a couple months, you were biking to go get the feed and carrying a 25, was it a 25 pound 25 bag? 25 pound bag. But Bike. I mean, it wasn't too bad. Like to me. Yeah. To me, it, it sounds like, awful, but. It's like a. Tw- 
12, 12 to 14 mile bike round trip. <clears throat> but yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's, that's not outside the realm of what okay. I do normally. To me, it sounds like <laughs> a hell on earth, like <clears throat> a earth shattering hellscape of a thing to do. But I guess I, just, <laughs> I didn't have to do it. So. Most of it was like on the LA river bike path too. So oh, it's well, that's no, nice. no stoplights, no stop signs, no oh, cars. You're that's just, a good point. yeah. Trucking. Oh, I mean, give it context. Like, what was it? Last Monday, I did like a 17 mile mountain bike ride. Yeah. Okay. Which was like uphill, downhill. Fair. Like. Fair. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we still said cost effectiveness. We didn't. We did not get these hens to have as, to be pets. To be pets. Or, yeah. We got them for egg laying purposes, and they no longer lay eggs. So now what? And so we said when the um, end of the food comes, if they don't start laying consistently again, then we're going to learn the process of dispatching and processing butchering butchering hens. And so last week. Um, it was becoming really clear that they weren't going to lay again, and so we started making preparations for that. We watched some YouTube videos, mm-hmm. as you know, all good farmers, all good homesteaders do these yes. days, <laughs> right? Um, and we learned like a couple different techniques of how to do the dispatch. Um, we ended up going with the kill cone technique. Mm-hmm. So I basically took like an old. Um, dog cone that I had for a sacred sadism project. So <laughs> a highly aesthetic kill cone. Is Multifaceted. A, yeah, it was, props. we had used it for like a, a pup play um, photo, photo shoot. shoot. But I sort of modded it and like made it like a very more narrow kill cone. We, we um, had to trim the bottom a little bit too. Yeah. And we bolted it to the fence and uh, I don't know, do you want to explain what that process uh, the is The way like? a kill cone works is so if you imagine like a funnel and just right side up the way you would use a funnel wide ends at the top narrow ends at the bottom Uh, but it's the bottom is wide enough that the chicken's neck and head can come out so they're kind of like upside down and nestled like the their wings the main body of the cone is like cradling the wings so they um they can't theoretically can't flap around and jump out of it um so they're upside down You've got the head out, the neck's exposed. You can kind of, like, pet their heads to calm them down. Um, And then you find the main artery in their neck, which is, like, just below... One of the videos said to do it just below the jawbone. Another one did it a little farther up from there. Um, I think I kind of split the difference. And then you have to do a deep, quick slice with a sharp, sharp knife. Um, And... They basically die instantly um, and bleed out in the upside-down position as well. Um, Of course, everyone's heard, like, the... What's the saying? Chicken with the head cut off. So, you know, if you've never uh, killed anything, like, the nerves are still firing, like, for a good minute or so, give or take, afterwards, so... I was holding the legs during that so they can't kind of flap and struggle out. The kill cone kind of keeps the body more contained, but if you'd done something more old school, like you just fucking chop the head off with an axe or something like that, the they, their bodies will like flap and flop around <clears throat> until the, the nerves stop firing. Um, but that's the basic first step of, mm-hmm. you know, how 
too quickly and I guess well, humanely. The, the step we did to prepare also, um, which has to do with the butchering process, was we cut off their feed 24 hours before. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's part. That's like of, when you know it's really going to go down. Yeah, that's, I guess, more for butchering purposes. ease of butchering. Yeah. Um, so their intestines and guts aren't full full with a you're lot to, more and waste product. Yeah, their crop. You're trying to empty the crop so it's not super full. So we started the process. We decided to start with Darcy, who's the redheaded hen. Mm-hmm. And the reason we started with Darcy is because Darcy has had been really rapidly losing weight for a month. Something like that. She was sick. Uh, something was wrong with Darcy. You may recall on our last episode, I also described the fly strike that Darcy was uh, experienced. We brought her back from the fly strike. We took care of her wound. She was fully healed at the time that we butchered her. But I don't know if it was the stress of the fly strike or if it was something else going on with her health-wise. But I would notice that every time I'd pick her up, Every time she would be lighter and lighter. And I'd go and I'd pick up Stacy, and she was super plump and heavy. They had dramatically different body weights when we butchered them. So we decided to do Darcy first because we knew something's wrong with her. We don't know what it is. Um, the kind of care that we were doing is not bring her to a vet and keep her alive forever since we knew we were intending to butcher her eventually anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So we chose her first to kind of, um, I guess, it practice the butchering process, knowing that we might not end up eating her. Because we also wanted to look inside. We were like, something's unwell with her. Yeah. What if she has fatty liver disease? Or what if her liver looks really messed up or something? Then we're not going to eat her if that's the case. So we chose to butcher her first. And for people who might not know, like this is pretty common practice for people who keep chickens, like yeah. especially if a large flock of chickens. If you, if you have a sick chicken that you can't figure out what yeah. it is, you have to cull it. It's not a Because it's really people, easy yeah. for, mm. if it's something that's communicable, that will f- burn through the rest of your chicken population really quickly. So, yeah, you either have to, like, quarantine a chicken or, yeah, if it's something that's not getting better, you dispatch it and figure out what it is. Um, but... Uh, where were we? Yeah, so we chose to dispatch Darcy first, and I think both of us, after, you know, feeling how bony she was and thinking, like, this isn't, if we're able to, if, most likely, even if everything looks fine in her, there's not enough meat on her, really, to to eat. Yeah, we were gonna, we were gonna make her soup. We were gonna make her broth, yeah, turn her into a broth or a soup. Um, so then we, uh, basically what happens after the blood has drained and the death throes have ended, um, you have a pot of water. You gotta pluck the bad boy. You gotta, you gotta. Bad boy, bad bitch. The bad bitch. Wow. (laughs) So we had a pot of water and I think we did 150 degrees. It's very important. It was like, I think we were, well, the second that was hotter. Yeah, somewhere between 150, 160 degree water. Um, and then you dunk the chicken in you dunk the chicken in and sort of swish it around for a while which is um, 30 seconds ish and yeah just enough to not boil the chicken not cook the meat but loosen up the yeah to loosen up the um feather follicles i don't know yeah i guess feather follicles (laughs) um and that allows you to really easily pluck it which can be like kind of a pain in the butt i also had on my gardening gloves which i think made it easier i did that 
partially not to burn myself on the hot water while I was dunking and also because the rubber, you can just kind of rub the chicken and the feathers come right off after they've been loosened in the mm-hmm. hot water. One of the videos we watched, they actually had like a defeathering machine. It was like this oh, yeah, crazy, so it kind of looked like a top-loading washing machine, but with like these rubber fingers all around the yeah. side and they just put, they turn it on and it just spins. You put, just throw the chicken in there and it's just kind of tumble drying. It's super violently. <laughs> it's super like, violent looking. It's very but, intense. Super effective, so like 10 you, seconds yeah. hairless chicken, it was or featherless chicken. It was really kind of amazing. If you're a small chicken farmer, that's probably the way to do it. Yeah, Super, if you're doing a bunch of birds, that yeah. seems like a really quick way. But I, I did effect, I did expect the defeathering to be more labor-intensive, and it was super yeah, easy. Yeah, it was much easier than yeah. I thought it was going to be. Probably that, that boiling yeah. thing really is... It, it's, it's the key. Good. Um, so then we started the butchering process. Um, I don't think we need to go, like, step by step. Yeah, like, we don't have to go that but, deep. No one wants to listen to that. Probably but, not. but as we were doing this with Darcy, and it's like, at what point did Darcy become chick- like chicken? This was, mm-hmm. like, something that I was really interested in in this process was, like, how am I going to feel butchering this friend of mine, like, in a sense, you yeah. know? Um, it was not as uh, traumatic as I thought it was going to be, yeah. honestly. I found it to be just more informative and educational. When did she become meat to you? Uh, or when did they, I guess? I don't know. I don't know if Darcy still is meat to me. I still think even of, like... I, I don't know. I don't think she ever became, like, a, you know... a a grocery store chicken. She was still Darcy in like Even food form. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a very different experience. Like the form is the same at the end. Yeah. It looks like a grocery store chicken, but I, I don't, it's not like an emotional connection to the meat, but it's like, this is Stacy's form. Body. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. Mm. And, um, like I said, not as um not as upsetting as I expected it to be. I felt more like we were just focused on the task at hand. And yeah. when you're focused on the task at hand, there's not always time to be um like super uh sentimental in a way. But I think it's when the same thing with the deer, when the skin's off, when the feathers were off, I was like, Oh yeah, I know this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um What about the de gutting process that was i will say the de-gutting process uh so it's gutting yeah the gut the gutting process some things about that were extremely unsettling for me the main thing being none of the videos we watched prepared me for the egg sack (laughs) so uh, yeah they did not they didn't really talk about that part so basically (sighs) for Darcy, I was taking the lead on kind of walking through Darcy. Tembo was looking at the video and, and talking me through we're the like, steps. Yeah, walking each other through it. So I was, you know, wrist deep in Darcy at that stage. And I felt this, I didn't wear gloves for for some reason. <laughs> it's because we only had like two pairs of gloves left and we were being kind of like economical about it. But I, I just kind of went in and there was... A structure inside of her body cavity as I was um, lifting the the guts from the 
the fascia, I guess. Yeah, all the connective the tissue connective that tissue. connects the organs to like the the body cavity. You have to kind of break those. So there was a structure inside of her that felt like boiled cauliflower. If you can imagine just jamming the tips of your fingers into like soft boiled cauliflower and those little like cauliflower grains getting under your fingers, I had I was not expecting that. <laughs> and we were already feeling like, oh, like Stacy's obviously sick. She's losing all this weight. We don't know what's wrong with her. So as we were going through this process, we were trying to look at some of the signs. Yeah, and her fat was like an odd. It Very was like dark. orange. It was dark. Um, so there's a little bit of fat on her body. Yeah, which isn't a normal color, at least not for. Yeah. That breed of chicken that the fat should be. So that was like an, ind- an indication that something was something going on was with her. So um, that was so like... So we were already like, uh, what's, So we were feeling uneasy. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, just her fat was... I think also I wasn't prepared for the amount of fat. Because I, you're used to seeing grocery store chicken. They're trimmed. They're trimmed. The fat is very white. They live very sedentary lives. They don't... I mean, does that make them fattier? Or does that... I don't know. I think it can. They're they're also probably bred to have, you know, bigger... Be bigger bodied and everything. They're also and meat they're, breeds, which yeah, Rhode Island Reds breeds. aren't, you know. And they're also, like, extremely young. Like, yeah. we looked up, like, eight weeks is old for, like, a... Yeah. For, like, a meat farm chicken. So there was some, like, body horror uh, going on in the butchering process just because I didn't know what to expect and we saw that really dark fat and I was like well maybe that's maybe it's fatty liver Mm -hmm. but actually her liver looked fine her liver looked okay yeah her liver looked okay but it was just disconcerting and then when I stuck my bare finger I'll never forget it it's really like a nightmare sensation I'll never in my life forget sticking my bare fingers into this boiled cauliflower egg sack so when we pulled everything out then, I saw this little thing and we, we were saying to each other like, oh, it's cancer. It's it a tumor. Looked, it looked like a tumor. We thought it was a tumor because we just didn't know what to expect. But after, I think after we finished the process and got her on ice, we looked it up and it's actually the egg sac of all the kind of like humans, all the eggs that the hen is going to produce already exist inside the body. So it's this little mass that is tumor-like but there's all different sizes of spheres in it yeah so there were spheres that were like was it like a marble maybe yeah, just smaller, just than, smaller a than a marble all the way down to like little pinheads pinhead yeah, yeah grain of sand grain of sand shit. really fucking weird and like very disconcerting if you weren't expecting to feel that <laughs> And also, it just felt like it was, like, free-floating in the body cavity. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would not have expected that. I would have thought it would be, like... In a tube. In Yeah, it's contained inside of an organ, and then, you know, from there, it, like, connects somewhere to the cloaca. Like, not something that you could actually see unless you, like, dissected the organ, and then you're like, oh, yeah, there's all the eggs. Yeah. Kind of like with a human, all the eggs are in the ovary. Yeah. Not the... There's not, like, a fucking, like bandolero of eggs <laughs> it was really that's I guess, like not what I that's was a way expecting. to describe it. it was like a f- fleshy bandolero organ what is a ban- what's a bandolero is like the gun b- belt of bullets oh yeah yeah <laughs> and i know this probably sounds a little disconcerting these were hens that i loved and also we like kind of i like as we were butchering them I had, like, a fascination with, like, what's going on with their bodies. You know, what Mm -hmm. is the anatomy? It's like, while I'm here, 
what's going on here? You know, which I think could probably seem a little fucked up to some people, but I guess I've always been really interested in dissection mm-hmm. and anatomy. And at that point, it sort of started to feel like, okay, well, we're, we're at this point, like, what's this piece? What's this piece? We found the um, gizzard, and we didn't know what that gizzard was. The gizzard is like the stomach, yeah. but it's made of really thick muscle which is how the hen digests uh, its food. It's like a contraction of a really strong yeah. muscle. But so they we- don't have teeth, mm-hmm. and they, like, swallow little rocks and stuff, and then the gizzard, like, kind of smushes the food up with the rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at that point we were also, like... We were kind of freaking out. We were out. kind of like, okay, she has cancer, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then we thought that that was, like, another we thought it was her. Al- we thought it was her enlarged... What did we think it was at first? I think we maybe thought it was the liver. Because it was really hard. We thought it was like a rock hard, like sick liver. She has like liver cirrhosis or some shit. We were freaking out. But then we found the actual liver and we're like, okay, so. The liver looked fine. That's not the liver. Yeah, the liver looked fine. Uh, I cut it open because I was just curious, or I think I went back and cut it open later. And Mm -hmm. you could see all the food, the green uh, and the pellets sort of crushed up in there. And a very thick muscle. And that's mm-hmm. when you were like, oh, it's the stomach, and this, which is the gizzard. Um, so, yeah. The, uh, she did not have very much meat on her. Uh, really, no, almost no chick, no breast. You know, so we were looking at her and going through this process. And we completed the process. Um, and got her to the point that a grocery store chicken would be at. And we also said... We don't feel comfortable turning Darcy into broth, not knowing what what the ailment was, why she was so skinny. Um, so we decided to put her remains in the compost heap instead of boiling her down. And I feel I I think I feel like sort of on the fence about that decision. I'm like yeah. I think that was the right decision for how we were feeling after going through that process you Mm -hmm. know but i also think maybe we could have boiled her uh for broth but it's also like a comfort level thing and it's it's a very foreign thing for us to Mm. be butchering animals we've kept you know yeah i i guess for me it's like if the animal appears to be sick from something that we don't understand. Mm, it's not it's worth... probably safer. It's not worth, yeah. Um, maybe one thing, if, you know, we really needed to eat, then, you know, that's definitely more of a fuck it situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. At least, at least from, like, I guess just going through the process of, like, learning to hunt and stuff like that, I get so many, like, emails from um, the... I can't remember the office in California, like but the, like the, the DNR, the for, yeah, the it's not the forestry, forestry office, but about like fish and wildlife, fish and wildlife, yeah, about deer and different ga- wild game with like diseases that are known to be yeah. in the area. Wasting and they're like, disease, wasting disease. Yeah. There's another one. I forget the one that rabbits have, and they're like, if you see an animal with this, dispatch it so it can't keep spreading. Yeah. And they're like, do not eat these. Yeah. Um, no, you're so in, I guess in my head, it's I'm like, okay, it yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, um, and I think that's right. I think I think we don't know the cause of her wasting, but it could be something that is not good to eat. Yeah, and or it might be something that's 
doesn't matter or could maybe it's a, a parasite that will die if mm-hmm. you cook it properly but mm-hmm. it could also be a parasite that is does not die. Mm-hmm. um uh, even though i'm sure i probably have some sort of parasite at this point well, but maybe well. not <laughs> <laughs> then we all uh, so we finished that. We put her on ice. Um, we decided not to save the organs either because of our uncertainty about what yeah. was going on with her. Um, I did save the head. I had the intention of doing something with the comb. Coxcomb? Is it just called a comb? Comb, yeah. With the comb. Um, and we did save the feet, feet. as well. Um, in the end, we I decided I didn't want to do anything with the combs. I felt, again, sort of uneasy and uncertain of, like, how to process that part and mm-hmm. uncertain if I would want to eat it even if I did. I know it's a delicacy in French cuisine and not something they turn your nose up at, but I just wasn't feeling comfortable with it mm. at the end of the day. You know, part of it being that it was, like, attached to their little faces, you know? Yeah. And it was just, like, a little, like, hmm, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm feeling it anymore. <laughs> you know, once, like, push came to shove, I was like, oh, I don't really want to eat their comb, actually. Um, so then you, uh, then we moved on to Stacy. And so what was that process like for you? Um, I mean, it was much easier after we'd kind of done it already. So it's like, okay, this is um, familiar territory. Except <laughs> Except for the eggs. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in, in the gutting process, um, when we're pulling out the organs and then out pops this gigantic ovum. Which A is, gigantic shellless egg. Yeah. Um, uh, like a regular sized but slightly larger than normal egg. One and a half yeah. times the size of a normal egg. Without a shell. Um, without a shell, which is really... Just the membrane. So it's held together by the membrane. Yeah, that... So it's soft. Uh, we weren't expecting that at all, but Stacy's uh, egg organ, uh, <laughs> bandolero, <laughs> uh, was, had much bigger, uh, like, you could see the, the, the progression, progression from, like, tiny little ovum up to, like, egg-sized ovum, and then there was this mega egg There was a, also. Yeah, there was a medium-sized one. There were a couple, like, just yolk yolk-like yeah. ones. So before even the albumin or the membrane form, they're just kind of like these yolks that are attached to the the bigger structure. At least that's what it looks like. And it seemed like it was just kind of free-floating, free-floating. in the body cavity. I mean, I might have jostled it loose like when I was pull- pulling on the fascia and stuff like that. That's just so confusing. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like popped out and we're like, what? <laughs> it was extremely surprising. And disconcerting. <laughs> it was like, excuse me? I don't understand where they, how they travel to the cloaca. Yeah, maybe we got to study up on we need to bird look anatomy. Because, like, better, everything but... I've looked at with bird anatomy is there's a tube that it moves through. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is that why they weren't laying? Did their tube get ruptured? And they just have, like, they both had, like, free floating egg sacs? Like, what? Yeah. I don't know. Um... I don't know. It was a, it was a all <laughs> quite surprising. I mean, I I feel like I felt I felt kind of bad about the gutting. Cause I was mostly doing the gutting on Stacy. That I I like pulverized the liver somehow. I think when you were going and you weren't the so I noticed on Darcy the liver yeah. is right along uh, where the fascia is. So you have uh, to go. You have to very carefully around slip it. your hand up above it because uh, okay. it's like plastered to the cat body Cage. cavity. Oh okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when we pulled the guts out, I. I had 
mangled the liver pretty bad. Which was also disconcerting. We were like, yeah, what is we're this? like, what is this pulp? Yeah. Um. <sighs> but yeah, I guess next time I disembowel a bird, it's just like you got to be so much more gentle. It's like when I was doing it with the deer. The deer's organs are so big. There's mm. no like. Not a question. You're not like yeah. You're not confusing like the connective tissue with the organs. It's like very apparent what's yeah. what. But I think with the chicken, it was a little finer of a line, yeah. um, a little different. And, and with like rabbits too. At least the way we butchered the rabbits is like we were we were splitting the chest cavity open so you could just see everything. Mm. So it wasn't like a. Yeah, it's a little, like, <clears throat> grasping in the dark doing the chickens. You create a small opening, and then both hands... You're just going in with both hands and sort of just feeling for the connective tissue. Yeah. You can't really see what you're doing. You can't... Yeah, you can't see what you're doing at all. Which is part of the disconcerting feeling, too. It's just, like, like hitting that cauliflower feeling and being like, what am I touching? Mm. Is uh, upsetting. I would probably use gloves next time I do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, it's it's also like a familiarity mm-hmm. thing too. It's just like it's not like we've been doing this all of our lives or anything like mm-hmm. that where you're like, "Oh yeah, you just do this, 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 and this." And we're like, "Oh, this is like the first time yeah. either of us have butchered a bird." Um, but little Stacy was like so much more plump. Oh yeah. Was, and yeah. fatty. Yeah. She had a lot of fat on her belly, which I looked up afterwards is often a sign that they're getting ready to lay again mm-hmm. or getting ready to brood. It means they're storing up fat to sit on their eggs, essentially. So chances are, we think, Stacy was probably going to start laying again. Whether it was going to be as regular as before, it's hard to say. That egg was bigger than normal, and that's mm-hmm. not easy on a hen to push out an egg that's bigger no and we think she was the one that did the double egg last time yeah. right yeah, yeah it looked like her her colored egg um yeah so so maybe she would have kept laying but darcy was definitely on the down the downswing so yeah, either way i don't think was, she was gonna last much longer on her yeah, own She's... whatever was going on with her was chronic mm-hmm. um but so then we had Darcy and we, or Stacy, sorry, and we felt pretty good about holding her, keeping her on ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we saw in the videos was to keep them on ice for forty-eight hours to let the rigor mortis um, relax, relax from their bodies. Otherwise, you end up with tough meat. So we kept her on ice for like a night, and then put her on the fridge in the fridge for another night. Mm-hmm. And then we ate we ate her heart we immediately. Ate her heart. Yeah. Yep. Sauteed it up with some uh, garlic and butter, a little salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. It tasted like delicious chicken heart. Tastes like heart, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we decided to roast her, so we kind of just did a regular roasting thing that we would normally do. Yeah. Bed of onions and potatoes and garlic and... Rosemary and thyme, oh, all the, all the fixings. Um, but then, when it came time to eat Stacy, it was essentially impossible to cut into, bite into, masticate her meat. It was so hard. <laughs> like it was rubber. It was literally like tire rubber. We we're like, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> so Google 
uh, is my best friend in a way, uh, even though they're evil, they always have the answer. And it said basically hens that are that old are going to be rubbery, tough, tough especially uh, layers, especially layers and especially hens that have, you know, had the mobility to be working their muscles. That means they've really built up those muscles. They're not just doughy, soft, sedentary factory farm chicken muscles that we're used to. Um, so she was like a pretty muscular gal aside from all that belly fat, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the skin was like rubber. We really, like, I tried eating skin. I had some skin. crispy part. Did you have a good piece yeah, of skin? Yeah, some, some of the, the crispier uh, ones were like perfect. Um, but yeah, we were basically said, okay, so that's not going to work. So I pulled out the crock pot, threw it all in there as the last effort to, to make use of, uh, the butchered hen. After she, after we crockpotted though, I found that the meat was was very tender, m- much better. Yeah, it was still like slightly firmer Tough. than like yeah. uh, store bought chicken, but I think some of the googling we did, uh, or some of the googling I did, most people were like, even meat hens are going to be the meats like firmer mm. than mm. store bought hens, and there most people were like, I can't eat store bought hens now because it's gummy. Mm-hmm. Um, you get accustomed to the yeah the good shit. Um, but what we learned was that in general, hens that age are gonna be tough. Yeah, like most hens, meat. They're first of all they're meat chickens, so they're breeds they're they're bred to be butchered for meat, um, and they're butch they're called. At what? As four, pullets. Four to eight weeks. As yeah, pullets. somewhere in there. Yeah, so they're very tender. They haven't had a lot of time to develop tough ba- They're basically muscles. chicken veal. Yeah, basically chicken veal is what you get in the store, yeah. right? And, and obviously under, like, much very different conditions than what our girls were under. Yeah, kind of kind of gnarly fact before. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> so, uh, but it does yield a more tasty and delectable meat. Yeah. Than what we <laughs> than what we yielded, but I will say, I mean, like we, this is something we didn't even think of when we were watching the videos. Yeah, none of them mentioned it at all. The age of the hen. Age, or... Yeah, I mean, you can I guess from like hunting, I feel like I there's also like there's like the idea that not idea, but seems like it's kind of common knowledge. Like everyone wants Younger's like better. a big. Yeah, everyone wants a big trophy buck, but it's, like, going to be tougher eating mm-hmm. than, like, a young buck. Same with, like, mutton versus lamb. Yeah. You know, totally, they're, they're very different tastes but it's just, and texture experiences. Yeah, you got to know how to cook it. I'm sure if we if we had a slow cooker, mm-hmm. like, that would have been... Probably the way to go. Way to go, yeah. I think, didn't, weren't, didn't something you looked up said something about that? They are like, oh, yeah, if there were layers there, we... We only make soup out of I them. was just, what like, I came upon this TikToker who always live casts her chickens, and I asked her, uh, any tips on cooking your hens so they're not tough? And she said in the live chat, I just love talking to strangers on <laughs> She said, she said, oh, well, I don't, I don't butcher my hens. I have no problem with people who do, but my understanding is that most people turn their layers into soup. They don't use them for meat. So it's probably fairly unusual to try to roast a whole layer the way that yeah. we did. We just uh, hadn't looked into it that deeply. We were like, we're going to roast the hen. We're like, oh, it's, it's, it's chicken now. You just cook it like yeah. normal. 
I mean, it seems like logic. It seemed logical at the time. Yeah, but we did get a nice broth. Um, I should probably do something with that or freeze it soon. Yeah, chicken noodle soup. We're gonna do some chicken noodle soup with the store bought chicken. Um, and I actually have used it in a recipe or two since yeah. I made it. Oh, so God. we've already consumed some of the broth of Essence de Stacy. Essence de Stacy. <laughs> J.C. Penny, your fragrance destination. And then also, you know, part you know, we weren't able to use them for food, like fully, but we did put them in the compost, and some other of our neighborhood critters pulled them away. Yeah. And enjoyed them, and that's all part of the ecosystem that, like, this whole garden and homestead is meant to uh, feed and be a part of, right? Yeah. So. We hope whoever took it. It might have actually been the neighbor cat. We don't know. I don't think it was those cats. Well, my theory is it was the neighbor cat because there's one neighbor cat that has never let me touch it in the five, six years that I've lived here. And the day after we put that Darcy in the in the heap, it got dragged off by someone. And now that cat lets me pet it. I don't know. I think it was a sacrifice. Those those cats are are kibbleaholics. They need that. They need the sugar <laughs> that's in the kibble. I'm just so happy that cat lets me pet it. <laughs> that in my mind, that's the story. But you've been working on that cat for six years. No, no, it's because I haven't been working on it that it's probably letting me touch it. Yeah, but that is you working on it. It is. I'm giving it the it's space. Like no it game, needs. game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's nice that some other animals were able to make use of it. And, you know, there was actually a whole ecosystem that popped up around the chickens. Rats. Mice. mice flies. Flies. <laughs> <laughs> Probably other, all kinds of other critters in that little area of their pen. Yeah. There was a, a, even my barn cat, there's like a feral cat that started coming around to try to hunt the mice, hunt the rats. So, yeah, it's all part of a thriving urban ecosystem. Yeah. I, I'm excited for less flies, though. Oh, my God. Now that yeah. there won't be, like active poop yeah all over the place there'll be less flies hopefully yeah yeah so we cut down some of the elephant grass in that area and laid it down and that whole zone is cleared the coop is gone fences down the fences down we have to take apart their little run we're gonna save some of the lumber from that for who knows what project maybe firewood yeah yeah, end of an era. I mean, I, I I think the hardest adjustment that I'm feeling is just in my daily routine. I got really accustomed to every night going and locking the door. And every night I think of the hens and I'm like, what? I don't have to go out there and like grumble about them and be like, you <laughs> damn chickens. You goddamn chickens put Stacy up because she never goes up on the roost herself. You know, those little things. It's just like a kind of bittersweet feeling of like... A season changing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm really grateful we tried that out and we learned a lot of a lot of stuff. Just, I think, things that were thrown at us that we didn't expect. So many things we didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, what do you think was the most shocking part of the process for you? Mm, shocking? Or, like, you know, mm. the biggest learning. I mean, just, like, a lot of really obvious stuff that I just didn't think about. Like, having chicken food around was going to attract rats and yeah. mice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, the flies and the fly strike. Like, I yeah. did... And, and granted, it was only in year three that that happened, but... Yeah, fly strike. That was fly gnarly. Fly strike was gnarly. Yeah, and 
I guess, like... Also, like, another, I guess, kind of obvious thing, too, because originally we were like, yeah, we'll let him free range in the garden. Right. But, yeah, they're going to shit everywhere, and they dig up your plants. (laughs) That was, like, one day. That was day one. One day of that, I was like, oh, no, this can't happen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do think if we ever live somewhere with more room... That would be the way to go if you oh, had yeah. a field. One of those like moving, yeah. moving. Uh, a tractor, a, a chicken tractor, or just have let them have a giant free range area. Yeah, a moving coop. I, that would yeah. be ideal if you had the room to just kind Ooh. of yeah, <clears throat> let them go dig up bugs in different mm-hmm. areas and then even just like cost effective wise, if they could do more of their feeding through. Foraging. Grazing and foraging, um, I think that would be a better, like, return on the eggs because mm-hmm. I think I, I did the math very loosely in my head at some point and I was like, the amount we're spending on feed, even though we're getting a lot of eggs and, like, organic eggs, which are, like, 14 bucks a carton or something like that, like, we're still just breaking even, you know? Not like we did this to profit or anything, but no. it's just, like, doing the math, it's, like, it does cost... A, like a little bit of startup money and then the cost of their feed it'd be cooler if they could feed themselves more you know mm-hmm. but we don't we yeah we you're and you're right we should have you know known that free-ranging them wasn't going to be a possibility <laughs> <laughs> it seemed cute until we saw the poop and saw them like destroy t- try to destroy a garden bed yeah yeah i think it's definitely better i mean even just like always trying to counteract possible salmonella contamination mm-hmm. was something I'd never had to think about. Like, I'm always thinking about, like, okay, I just walked out into their coop with my sandals on. Do I have, like, salmonella dust on my feet now? Do I want to put my feet up on the table? Maybe not. You know, think little things like that has yeah. just made me, like, more cognizant of, like, cross-contamination stuff, you know? But, yeah, end of an era, honey. We did that. We did it. We did that, and we, we I'm really proud of us for going through the whole butchering process. It was, uh, you know, I knew we would do it because we set our minds to do it, but I was a little worried it would be more upsetting than it was. Mm-hmm. You know? But I think when push comes to the shove, you do what you set out to do, and it is um, just fascinating to learn learn something new. Love to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have the chance to keep birds again one day, but if not, you are continuing your hunting journey, and now you know how to butcher fowl. Gut birds, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your hunting journey, do you want to update on any of that? There's not really an update. I don't know. I saw I, you I, looking at your license this morning. Yeah, it's just, I'm trying to dis- it's decipher fucking hunting zones and archery seasons in California, which is like a ridiculous puzzle. Um, but yeah, the only update is I got my archery deer tag. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Still work, still build Well, I have my, the production bow that I bought and I'm still in the middle of building my <clears throat> Osage bow. But that's in about, like, two months that you can go out to public land and attempt? I think the first, yeah, first archery season that I, that my tag will give me access to is, like, late September. No, August? September? No, it's beginning of September. I think most, the most of the month of September. 
Um, but there's going to be various different seasons that I have access to with this tag. So basically September on and off till December. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know it was so long. That's nice. Because, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you have access to general hunting season. And then there's, for each different, like, California's, like, split up into different, like, zones and quadrants. And they all have mm-hmm. different seasons. It's, it's a fucking nightmare to decipher. Mm. That'll be a new interesting installment. I guess there's no guarantee you'll see, let alone get, yeah. uh, get a deer. And you're still... I just like tromping around in the woods. Yeah. And if I happen to come upon a deer with the shot, then I'll take it. But Yeah. Should be interesting. Um... We also just enjoyed a little day trip. Because it was somebody's birthday. Because it was my birthday on Sunday. And uh, we went up to Idlewild, California, which is like a little tourist town. Where is it? By San Bernardino National Forest? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Somewhere kind of like uh, by Palm Springs-ish. But yeah, in the mountains. It's the mountains above Palm Springs. So that was cute. It was like a little... Like, little little tromps a little trot around their tourist village a cute little time at a hotel and we went on a little hike and that was super sweet and i'm glad we have a car and can get out of town again definitely did we talk about the ren fair on our last podcast mm-hmm. we've been getting out I remember i think we're taking advantage of being mobile again because we got to the ren fair we went to deep creek hot springs yeah. And then Idle Wild. For yeah, for our anniversary. Oh, yeah. our, our union anniversary. Our elopeversary. Elopeversary? Yeah. That's what they call it. That's what I call it. <laughs> our elopeversary. Oh yeah. That was like one of our very first podcast episodes talking about our elopement. Oh yeah. I don't know if it was number one, but it's definitely like people like hearing in the about early that. top three, I wanna say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did a little deep creek, getting some outdoor time while we're still here in California, trying to enjoy it. Right. Oh, yeah. And our garden is looking pretty cute with a lot of sunflowers. A lot of sunflowers. The squirrels the are starting to fucking squirrels. attack them. Yeah. They're eating all those tender seeds. A bunch of them fell into the chicken coop. I don't even think they're eating them. They're, they thought that they were going to be um, seeds, and then they're just like... They're just, throwing them away because yeah. yeah they just nibbled the outside of that so sunflower evil. that was up there so, god damn squirrels there's nothing we can like spray on that cayenne do they hate cayenne I pepper i mean because then we have cayenne seeds but we're not eating them i don't i don't want to uh, i don't want to spray anything on there because the only things that are actually going to work are, are real chemicals not and nicotine then... won't nicotine hurt the squirrels uh i don't know maybe mm. but it might be bad for the seeds too who knows Anyway, yep, more of more of the same, right? A little ta 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 road trips and gardening. Ta <laughs> road trips and gardening, and no more chickens. No more chickens. But uh, would you recommend keeping chickens to a first-time chicken keeper? Uh, I'd only recommend it to if it was something someone really wanted to do. Yeah. I would say, yeah, if it's, like, a casual thing, probably not. Like, if you're not going to be committed to... Yeah, because they're not high-maintenance Not crazy high-maintenance, Compared but... to a dog or a cat, it's not not nearly as high-maintenance. 
But the little things that come up are a little freaky. Yeah. You know? Like the sour crop, if that's what we were dealing with the other day. Or the fly strike. Or the the weird little things. I think when we first got Stacy, she had like, she was like reacting to the pine dust. Oh yeah, when she was sneezing a bunch. And we were like, we didn't know what that was. So we, you know, gave them some antibiotics or whatever. But there's always, and then there's like the raccoon attack. There's just all these little things where like, you're not thinking about it until you're faced with it. Which is a fun way to learn. Yeah. It's not the worst thing in the world. But there's definitely, if you ever want to look into it more, I definitely recommend BackyardChickens.com. It's like a forum and a website. Anything you could hope to know about keeping chickens has been discussed on that site. It's like Reddit-sized, but (laughs) all about chickens. It's so wild. Um, Yeah, I I think if we were to do it again or like go back in time and tell us give us some advice it'd probably be like do a little more research before actually doing it yeah and i think you know it came up for us very out of nowhere we are always knew we wanted to it was something both of us thought we'd enjoy it i'd lived with chickens when i was a kid and also at another place i lived in la but had never like prime been a primary chicken keeper um but basically some friends of ours posted free chicken coop on the curb and we just sort of spontaneously right. decided Should to we do, do it? it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> We've been talking about it for years. I would say we'd both had said we were interested in it. So when the opportunity came up to, to with a lower startup fee, yeah, we took it, you know, this is, it was locked down and we weren't doing shit anyway. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> but also a friend of ours just posted on Instagram that, her whole coop just got slaughtered by a bobcat. Yeah. So things like that are like, I mean, animal attack is very real. When my dad kept hens, he had a um, raccoon burrow down. He had like a cellar coop, which is an interesting type of coop. And this raccoon burrowed down into the earth and dug into it and killed all of them. Very upsetting. I will say I'm really glad that we got to go through the process we wanted to go through yeah for the most part yeah i i it was scary with the raccoon attack i did think we were going to have to call stacy that night because she was so stunned i thought she was going to die or was dead but she recovered they never fully recovered their laying but even so i'm glad we got to complete the process there is something gratifying about setting out to do what we wanted to do and and, and finishing it, it. And yeah. that we didn't end up having to deal with a slaughter, a massacre. Yeah. Because I think that's very upsetting. Don't, don't get chickens if you're not willing or able to, like, dispatch them yourself. Yeah. Because, yeah, something could get in there and badly maim them and you're yeah. going to have to put one or all of them down yourself. And, like, if you're not prepared to do that, you're not ready to have chickens. Or unless, you know, I guess I'm not of the mindset of thinking of chickens as pets. I know some people are, but obviously if you're taking chickens on as pets, you have to be ready, willing, and prepared to pay for the Veterinary fees, I think, are higher for chickens because vets are not as, um, that's not their specialty we'll, we'll, if they're not a we'll farm even vet. A, yeah, will even a cat-dog vet take a chicken? I don't know I if don't they will. I don't think so. I think you have to yeah, go you have to a special to go, You have to go vet. to, like, a... So I have to imagine those fees are 
higher and you need to be prepared for that if there is even one where you live in like, LA in, yeah yeah is there one in LA I probably not outside of LA probably because yeah. there's definitely more like um farm shit outside of LA but but yeah if you're taking them on as a pet I would assume it's it's not going to be as easy as taking your dog or cat to a vet for yeah. for every little problem and it's probably going to be as if not much more expensive and they don't you know they're just they're 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 bred to be livestock, you know. They're not. Bre- they haven't like self-selected and and been genetic or genetically selected to be house pets, right? Yeah, not really. I mean, some because there's like I guess just there's the ch- chicken fanciers, just like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, silkies are a Chinese breed, and they're like prized for their meat. Mm, <laughs> yeah, it's just like here they're like more of a novel pet, pet chicken. Yeah. Yeah, so that is the hen dispatch, but dispatch. The dispatch dispatch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm sure we'll move on to some new and interesting uh, food sovereignty exploration. I guess you're hunting as part of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you have any pointers you would give us in the past or any other future chicken keepers? No, I would say if we were going to do it again, I would maybe we'll do uh more specific breeds i think is in our interest yeah some fun chickens and i also think uh if we do it again i'd like to have more space to have a bigger flock because i think the idea of having some hens laying some hens breeding if we're out like in really in the boondocks and we can do roosters and have new chickens coming in some chickens being butchered, some laying, and have, like, a larger stock, like, true farming. That's yeah. how I would want to do it. Like, to me, these hens were, like, starter hens to get our, get the idea. Get our feet <laughs> Yeah, get our toes wet and, like, feel out what that was. And, of course, a bigger flock would probably have even more problems and surprises. But if we had True. the room to do it, that's how I would like to do it. I think it would be cool to have, like, a... Uh, chicken farm in a sense but then again do we really like birds like keeping Ugh. birds enough to do that i mean like a maybe not chicken farm scale but like a few more maybe right maybe a few more yeah do i think... would do like 10 yeah i could do like 10 would you want to do like a mix of like meat birds and egg birds just to like mm. or maybe like one or two meat birds just to mix it up i guess it depends how much space we have right it would depend i think it would be cool to have meat birds a rooster to be having new birds regenerating at no cost Mm -hmm. even though roosters are annoying i think it could be cool to see what that process is like including doing the brooding process and all of that um but yeah just like a small flock layers meat birds roosters new chicken new chicks and yeah, not letting the population get too out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would try it again. Ten out of ten. ten let's let's say eight out of ten. It would do again. Eight out of ten would do again. Maybe not here in LA again, just because of the the pests. Yeah, more space. More, more space. space would be nice. But, yep, there we have it. So until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K 
halitosis, cosmichalitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps, and Temba is Tembizzle, T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Thanks for listening.